today's amazing episode, I mean amazing episode of the Ryan Russillo Podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network is brought to you by State Farm. Just like sports, the game of life is unpredictable. Talk to a State Farm agent and get a teammate who can help you navigate the unexpected. I'll tell you what was unexpected. Our rewatchables, Magic Bulls, Game 6, 1995 playoff round. When the Bulls are up 102-94 with three minutes left, even though I knew the Bulls lost that game, it felt unexpected in the moment watching it 25 years later. Get a teammate who can help you navigate the unexpected. Talk to a State Farm agent today. I've got my Whoop band on, and I'm ready to go because Whoop is a fitness wearable that provides personalized and actionable insights on your sleep, recovery, and daily exertion. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and it could not be more important to monitor the stress we're putting on our bodies and how recovered we are on a day-to-day basis. With Whoop, you get a recovery score each morning based on your HRV, resting heart rate, and sleep performance. Let me just jump in here, non-scripted. So I'm wearing it. The sleep tracking thing alone is incredible, but now I've started to understand all the data that it's collecting now, and I'm still not quite where I need to be on the data collection, but I can't wait. I can't wait to tell you guys about it. And now that I know the day strain rating, it's basically telling like how much exertion I put my body through. And now I'm like, well, that's the highest I've done. And then I check the other variables and then it puts you like in a certain percentage. I obviously clicked off the category as athlete and not just casual fitness guy. So I may be, you know, putting myself in too tough of a tier, but I wanted the challenge and it's awesome. All right. So now the other day I was like, okay, I want to set my all time strain record. And so now I'm just trying to beat my own strain record. So if I pass out or miss a week, you'll know why you can use this data as an indicator for how to approach your day. The app has built in features like strain coach just talked about it, which gives you target exertion goals to work out optimally based on your recovery data. If you're stuck training at home, it's the perfect feature to use. The app also has a sleep coach which tells you how much sleep you should be getting based on your goals for the following day. So if you have kids that are waking up, you can just say, hey, look, look at my whoop readout here, guys. I'm like two hours under where I need to be. I'm going to ask you politely based on this data to just give it a rest in the morning. Try that. Wake up feeling recovered and ready to take on the day. Whoop is offering 15% off with the code Rosillo at checkout. Go to whoop.com, W-H-O-O-P.com. Enter the code Rosillo, R-U-S-S-I-L-L-O, at checkout to save 15%, sleep better, recover faster, and train smarter with Whoop. Before I get to today's recruiting stories, part two, I was going to put a cap on this at part two. I might do part seven. These are so much fun. I enjoy just listening to them instead of even talking through it. But we have Doug Gottlieb on his journey from the OC to Notre Dame. We have Antonio Pierce, Compton, Paramount High School, from Compton, Paramount High School, next town over, I believe. And then Juco, then Arizona. And now, of course, a coach at Arizona State. We've got Stanford Steve, a.k.a. five-star Steve, who ends up at Stanford, but then doesn't want to go there. Believe it or not, Stanford Steve could have been an entirely different name. And then Damian Woody, off the top rope, recruiting stories at BC. We're going to have him back clean up because that one is the one. Ah, it's unbelievable. All right. It's actually not unbelievable. It's totally believable, but he uh, he brings it. I do want to start with a real quick thing because after the last dance that Bill and I have been recapping, go ahead, check out the Bill Simmons podcast. Uh, I'm doing those every Sunday night, as you know. But this was kind of the Barkley episode, so I was already in a bad mood going into it, knowing about it. That loss is a top five bad loss for me as a sports fan, emotionally caring about somebody like Charles Barkley, who at the time I didn't even know. And I'll admit we're not that close now. But 
I just wanted Charles to have a ring. I wanted Charles to have a ring to avoid what has happened now for almost 30 years. And what has happened is that the idea anybody would hit send on a pro Draymond Green Barkley debate tweet is lunacy. Lunacy. I love Draymond Green. I don't think there's anyone that would think that I've been ever anti-Draymond Green. But because I'm pro Draymond Green, I don't also have to be pro the worst argument possible that I don't even think is out there that much. But I've seen real blue checks and basketball people suggest that Draymond is closer to Barkley. What do you think a team would look like if Draymond Green were the number one offensive option? Just do that exercise. And feel free, at Ryan Rosillo, or you can even do a long email. Uh, lifeadvicerr at gmail.com. Where I, I don't even know that I'll want to read it, but there are debates. You go, okay, I could kind of see that. I feel this way. Hey, that's not really even close. This one isn't even... I was trying to think of some comp, but I felt like it was a disgrace to anybody that I was doing the comp with. Draymond is a really nice player, exceptional, multifaceted, does all these amazing things, very important for a winning team. In no world would he be a number one option for a franchise the way Chuck was for a decade strong. If you want to get a little technical and say, oh, well, he was at Houston, you know, that's actually not fine. Uh, Draymond would not go to Phoenix, win 62 games in an MVP. It's not debatable. So stop debating it. You know who likes Miller Lite? The Bulls. Right after a win, Ron Harper, Scottie Pippen, just crushing some Miller Lights with Jordan on the training tables. During this time of social distancing, connecting with friends over a beer today looks pretty different. As the original light beer, Miller Lite has always been there to bring people together in real life through Miller Time. Miller Time is a moment for people to come together in real life to connect over a few beers, but having Miller Time is tough when you can't be with your people. And if your people are welders, uh, your people are dads, stay-at-home dads, FaceTiming dads, or the best basketball player in the world, Miller Lite's the beer that makes Miller Time possible. Miller Lite is the original light beer that tastes great and is less filling, which means it won't get in the way of enjoying time with your people. I like Miller Lite because I can buy Jordans and then have a Miller Lite and be like, if I were just a few inches taller, I'd be as good as MJ. Miller Lite, the original light beer. While you're home, honestly, if you're not out once this whole thing passes and, and maybe getting a Miller Lite for somebody else and saying, just like MJ... Here's a, here's a cold one. Uh, the original light beer, while you're home, enjoy a classic. Available now for delivery today. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. Tustin basketball legend, Doug Gottlieb. We know, we've known each other a long time now. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, I, I know there's parts of the recruiting story. What's the best part of you coming out of high school and trying to figure out navigating all the different places that want you? Well, I, I think there's a little bit of a misconception from people who weren't recruited in the 90s, and, I, and I'm sure in the 80s and 70s it was this way as well, which is no matter how good you were, with a couple exceptions, like, look, there's just some schools that you weren't going to go to, okay? So there's a couple rules here. And this is sort of point guard-specific, but it's a it's a general rule at position wise, right? Like you weren't going to go somewhere 
where a guy had started his freshman and sophomore year, right? Because the, the way it worked then, um, and the way it still kind of works most places, you you, if you you go somewhere, there's usually two point guards, right? And so you go somewhere where there's a junior, and that guy's been a backup, and the assumption is that you're good enough to beat him out. You got to make sure you're good enough to beat him out. So, you know, for example, I don't know if Duke would have offered me, but I know that Wojo was the year ahead of me. Wojo had signed there, so he would have been a sophomore when I was a freshman. They weren't even recruiting a point guard. Like, so, so it, it just, you have to understand that, that one of the things when people put their list together, like, yeah, you can dream of going to whether it was Duke or I don't know, other schools at the time. But the first thing was if they had a point guard who had started as a freshman sophomore, you weren't going there. Um, and if they, you know, you want, they had one that was incoming and you were a, a rising senior, you weren't going there. So that kind of carries down your list a little bit. And you wanted to go to Duke, right? I don't know. I mean, like Duke was, uh, Hurley was my idol. Right. Um, I grew up a UCLA fan, but they didn't offer me early. And my sister was a cheerleader there and my brother went to school there. So I, I always kind of wanted to play there, but I'd never totally dug like all of their guys. And there's other kind of conflicting alliances, which I know you got into with Chenoweth, which was like, when I grew up, there was three big AU programs. And even though a couple of my teammates went and played there, there, it was a little bit of Hatfields and McCoys in terms of like, we'd always been rivals and enemies. Now we're supposed to play together at UCLA. It was just weird. Um, so yeah, I, Duke was, would have been absolutely. And then Kansas would have been one. Uh, but Kansas took Ryan Robertson, who was from, I think, St. Louis, which is real close. They took him early. So, you know, like cross them off the list. Um, and then Arizona, I would love to play there. Miles Simon's like my best friend growing up. Uh, but they never offered me. And a big reason why was uh, one of their assistant coaches, a coach with my dad at Long Beach State, and he got fired. My dad did not. And they were not really friends. And so, like, there's a little bit of conflicting alliances there, you know. Um, Syracuse was all hot. They thought they were getting Marbury. So even though my mom went to school at Bayheim and close to Bernie Fine, like, that was never really discussed. Sherman Douglas was my favorite player before Bobby Hurley. I don't know about you. I mean, best alley-oop thrower ever. So I wasn't really a Notre Dame fan. And when I first, I remember when I got a call from John McLeod, it was the first day I was home after ABCD camp, which was one of the two big camps at the time. And he called and like my, he was like, Dougie, tomorrow we're going to announce that we're going to the Big East Conference, the best conference in college basketball. And, you know, Notre Dame brings great tradition and history. I've known your dad a long time. He knows about Notre Dame. And we'll, we play on NBC, on CBS, and now with Big, with the Big East, we'll be on Big Monday. We want you to be our first starting point guard in the Big East. And so, you know, you start to research, and you're like, all right, they got Admore White, who had started some as a freshman, then back up as a so that was going to be a sophomore year. They were telling you he was going to beat him out. So the only thing in my mind was, okay, coach, can I come and see a football game? And he's like, what game? And so like, I was like, do you guys play Michigan this year? It's like, yeah. So that's why I visited Notre Dame because I wanted to see Notre Dame, Michigan football. That's it. That's the only reason. I'd never seen Rudy at the time. Like I wasn't super into school. Um, Orange County where I grew up was uh, obviously there's tons of Notre Dame subway alums, um, but I wasn't like super into it. Um, but you know, as we can get to, like, there's a reason that like each school ends up kind of falling off. 
and then you end up picking your school. All right. So which ones were still even in play then before you decided Notre Dame? Like what's the funniest of the stories that you have where as a young kid, like the thing that's consistent is how often you guys are always changing your minds. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so here's the way it works. So I had, I was going to visit Florida. I was going to visit Michigan state, UCLA, uh, Notre Dame and UConn. Right. And, uh, if you look back, they all took a point guard that year, Stanford called and they had, they're like, we got Brevin Knight. Like, you're not going to beat him out. And, you know, at the time, like who the fuck is Brevin Knight? <laughs> like, I don't know, <laughs> but they just said like Rick Montgomery was like super matter of fact, like, Hey, you'll sit for two years. You'll be, you'll play with him some, be his backup. Then you'll be a starter for two years. So Art Lee took that role. And then Art Lee, you know, starts in a final four team, but like, I was going to sit, I'd like, Hey, thanks. I know Stanford's a great school, but pass. Um, and, you know, UCLA, remember, this is before they won the national championship. So Cameron Dollar was like perpetual backup. It was Tyus Edney actually beat out Derek Martin as a freshman. So Tyus Edney was graduating. So nobody thought like anything of Cameron Dollar at the time. Um, so I was supposed to visit all those schools. So I took an unofficial to UCLA. And again, like, I don't know, like I'd known the O'Bannons forever and they just were not they were kind of dicks, like not, they weren't like intentionally dicks, but they were just so UCLA guys were so arrogant. And I, I also carried with me the bias of this. This is probably the best story of, um, so we, we were UCLA season takeovers since the mid eighties. And so we had tickets behind one of the baskets. So then they're like, Hey, and this is the year before they're like, come up, bring J.R. Henderson. Who's my AU teammate. Um, who they end up signing, Bring go with Kriston Johnson, come to a game. We'll leave you tickets. So we go and see him play like Cal and Jason Kidd. And, you know, we go and they get like a, you know, recruited athlete pass gate, right? Everybody else gets tickets like right next to the court. Like my tickets are so fucking high that the concession man's like, nah, dude, you're going to have to come down here. Like it was the worst. And then, and then they're like, oh, it was a mistake. Sorry, our bad. Just sit with the other guys. So I'm like sitting with the other guys. And then at halftime, they come out and they get all the recruited athletes and bring them in the locker room to hear what Herrick's saying at halftime. Guess who they didn't get? Like me, right? They left you by yourself while all the other guys yeah, went so in? Yeah, so I'm sitting there and like insult to injury. My sister, I think it was that year, she was on the dance team. So my sister's a beautiful woman. And like, you know, look, when your sister's a UCLA cheerleader and she's a pretty girl, you know, like guys are going to say stuff. But, you know, then like the dudes come back out of the locker room and the dance teams were forming, and they were in these like, like all black tight outfits. And you know, they're like saying stuff about your sister. You're just like, God, this is the most uncomfortable day of my entire life. I'm like, fuck UCLA. Like, I love UCLA, but fuck UCLA. Like, dude, I I I've been to more UCLA football and basketball games than any of these guys that even played there. Um, and I was like, I was so down on UCLA that by the time they offered me a scholarship, like in the middle of the summer. They, I, I, you know, I just kind of almost made them beg and I don't know. It just, I kind of want to go away from home. So then Michigan state, Tom Izzo called from the delivery room of his first baby. Okay. Puts the doctor <laughs> on the phone. Uh, hi. Uh, this is Doug. Yeah. Hi, this is doctor. Whatever his name is. Um, I just, I just wanted you to know that, uh, coach Izzo's wife is in labor and, uh, he's going to be the head coach of Michigan state, as you know, in 1995. And he wanted me to tell you that this is a real legit deal. 
that he wants, that's how much he wants you as his point guard. And I was like, this is amazing, right? But at the time, Michigan State like wasn't a hot program. And so their whole sale was Robert Trailer, Jason Klein, Albert White, Antonio Smith, and you. We're all going to visit together. So I visit Notre Dame, and it was cool. And I, I got a good little Notre Dame story in a second. But I never forget that like I was getting ready to visit Michigan State, and Albert Trailer and uh, uh, Albert White and Robert Trailer committed to Michigan like right away. And I was like, mm, I don't know anybody went to Michigan State. I don't know anything about Michigan State. I don't know how this guy coaches. I'm going to take a pass. And then I had visited Notre Dame and Notre Dame, they would, they, they basically said, Hey, you're our, you're our primary option. But Jeff Billet um, is from New Jersey, private school wants to go to Notre Dame, but it's your scholarship until he visits here. He's visiting here in I don't know, three weeks or a month. So I like, okay, I got to get these other visits done. UCLA, like, I don't know. UConn, Jim Calhoun called. I couldn't understand a word he said because of his accent. I mean, what? I come have to have I was like, I have, I don't know what you're talking about, coach, but I love the way UConn plays. And the problem with UConn was that Kevin Ollie was their point guard. He was graduating. And Kevin Ollie, my dad knew Kevin Ollie because he coached against him in the Slam and Gym. And Kevin Ollie was like, really, he was like, look, it's an awesome place to play, play with awesome players, but Calhoun's going to literally bring in a point guard every year to try and beat you out. Like, he does not give a shit. And I was like, mm. and then my mom is from Connecticut and went to Syracuse and people from Connecticut who remember UConn back in the sixties and seventies, think of it as like a junior college. She's like, no, you're not going there. That's like cow tipping you. No, you're not going there. I was like, no, no mom. It's like a great basketball. And she's like, I don't care. You're not going to UConn, you know? So that was like off the list. Michigan state's off the list. Um, and then Florida, they had recruited me for so long. And like Lon Kruger's like, are you coming or not? They're like, well, are you going to come do a home visit? He's like, when, so what happened with Florida was Miles had taken a visit there and loved it and then got back on the plane was like, it's too far. Can't do it. And so I think their whole deal was like, we're going to go through all this different hoops and then Gottlieb's going to get on the plane and be like, it's too far. And I was telling him like, it's not too far. Like, I don't give a shit about where I go. But I think the Miles thing and they had sold me on, hey, we're going to get Vince Carter, you and Vince Carter. Um, and they ended up taking Eddie Shannon, I think. So the Notre Dame thing, like, Billet was coming. I was kind of running out of places that I felt like were great. And um, I hadn't really watched Notre Dame play, but I had a good time. And when, you, when I got home from visiting Notre Dame, they have, like, I don't know if they reached out, but, like, Jerome Bettis is calling you and Richie Branding, who grew up in Orange County, was a Notre Dame point guard. Like he's calling you like all these powerful Notre Dame subway alums are like, you got to go there. They take care of domers, take care of domers. You know, I wanted to do TV. NBC was basically the Notre Dame broadcasting company. So at some point, like they were basically like, hey, you got to shit it off the pot. Bill wants to come in this weekend. Do you want the scholarship or not? And I was like, eh, okay let's do it. And then you did it. And you know, you're like, all right, fuck it. We're in. I mean, so, so, but here's the, I'll give you the cool part of the Notre Dame. Business. So you fly in, there's cool parts and there's weird parts. So, um, you fly into Chicago and then Chicago, you go to a private terminal. So we all get on this little plane and they fly you in and you bank right by the, by the stadium. So you see the stadium, you see the golden dome 
and then you land and they pick you up and they immediately take you to the Golden Dome, which is where the president at the time, Mutt Malloy, um, is waiting for you. Coaching staff's there, Mutt Malloy's there, and Mutt Malloy was a basketball player in his youth. And he actually played with John Thompson in high school. And so there's pictures of basketball. He knows everything about you. And then you go from there. We went to Loftus, which was at the time the indoor football facility. The basketball team was doing like conditioning. And I'll never forget that uh, we're all kind of, you know, you're like in a line. You're basically on a tour, seeing a campus or pointing things out. And I'm like the last guy. And there was this big crowd waiting for Ron Paulus, who's the quarterback. He'd started two games. Yeah, yeah. And they're waiting at like Ron Paulus autographs, whatever. And so, you know, security's parting like the Red Sea for you. And I was last in line. So I get to the door and security's like, where do you think you're going? I was like, I'm a recruit. I'm, I'm going into the basketball. They're like, yeah, sure you are. So I'm literally like the coaches going there, the players going there, you know, some six foot white kid from Orange County uh, that looks like this, only better hair. Um, so finally, they had to come out and get me in. So then we go to the pep rally. Now, the pep rally at Notre Dame is they still have it in the arena. It's packed. They're undefeated. They beat Northwestern first game of the year. Like I said, like Ron Paulus, remember, Bino Cook's like, he'll won two Heisman trophies by the time he's done. It's all hype. They're playing Michigan. And so first, you, you walk into the pep rally, and they start. the students start chanting, we want you, we want you. We want you. And you're like, I'll, I'll sign anything you want right now. Um, so then you go to the coach's offices and Lou Holtz comes in and, you know, they prepped him, but he comes in. He's like, Doug Gottlieb, touching California. I know your dad, Bob's coach. He's like, perfect fit for John McLeod. We need a point guard. It's so bad. It's so bad. Listen, I, I just, I'm promising this. You come here, Notre Dame's going to be a great program. It's a great place for you to, right? And you're like, Lou Holtz knows my name. Lou Holtz knows my name. I walk out and I'm like already on cloud nine. I walk out and you sit in this little section and they're chanting, we want you. And the, the pep band marches out of the tunnel. And like, look, I did not grow up a Notre Dame fan. I am Jewish. I am not Irish Catholic. I would challenge anybody to sit there and not get chills in their spine when they start playing um, the, the Notre Dame fight song, you know, and the whole place is singing and you're like, Fuck, I'm in, right? I'm in. And then the next day, they're playing Michigan in football, and you're on the field before the game, and they come out of the tunnel, and they're slapping the play like a champion sign, right? And Fran McCaffrey, uh, who's now the coach at Iowa, like he, he was the one recruiting me every, like literally talked to him every day. And he's like, hey, man, look up there. Three-point Jesus. You know, it's touchdown Jesus, but it's also a three-point, three-pointer, right? And he's like, you know, Jesus was a Jew. Jews are fan of Notre Dame. <laughs> like, it's all sarcastic shit. Um, but I, I had a great visit. Uh, the only weird part was there's one former player who was hanging around who got drunk. Who's like, they don't want to come here. We fucking suck. You know, everything fucking sucks. He played for Digger. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I loved it and it was a, they were good dudes to hang out with, but it wasn't the facility. Like I wasn't, I wasn't like, there was no facility thing back then. It was just more like, hey, we need a point guard. If you want to come here and play, like this is the cool spot to drink beer, and we think we'll win if you come here. That was it. Let's do the long form one another time because I want to talk about all the NCAA agreements, disagreements that we have. So I'll catch up with you. Thank you. That was great. Later.
Uh, before I met him at ESPN, he's a guy who won a ring with the Giants and now is the assistant head coach and co-defensive coordinator with Arizona State with Herm Edwards. It's Antonio Pierce. But Antonio, your path is a little different than some of the other guys that we've talked to because we're talking Paramount High School. You're, um, you're from Compton and you end up at JUCO, which is Mount San Antonio College, uh, Walnut, California. And then you end up at Arizona. So what's your favorite memory of that time leaving high school and trying to figure out the next step? Well, it, well, it's funny, you know, because you think you're the man in high school. You know, you win all your little awards locally and in, in the state. And then, heck, you're watching all your boys like, you know, Chris Claiborne, who went to USC, and Niall Diggs go to Ohio State. And you feel like you're right there with them. You're on every all-star sheet with them. And I'm, I'm wondering, I'm like, man, why hasn't any of the college coaches called me in for, you know, an official visit or, you know, send me kind of the, the national letter of intent? And, you know, that's before the whole internet, Google, kind of do your own research. You go to the library, you get some numbers, you get the yellow pages, you start making some phone calls. And then you realize, well, what's the problem? You know, well, my problem was, you know, I didn't have the GPA and test score with the SAT to um, be cleared through the NCAA clearinghouse. So that, that's around like January, right? So you wait in February, everybody's signing. And it's like that last week, right before signing day. And that's when I go out and hit. Wow, hold on. I'm, so I'm gonna be one of the guys locally that's not signing. And I, I was hurt, man. I was hurt so bad. But um, it's so nobody like Antonio. No one called you from any of the Power Five programs. Was it just because of the grades, or like what was? What I mean, I oh, know no, some I was that, heavily recruited. You know, back okay. then it was different because it's not like today where you know you got social media, you get yeah. graphics and all that stuff. It was kind of like you knew you were getting recruited when you had a bunch of letters, and I have boxes and boxes of. You know, recruiting letters and, 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 you know, handwritten letters saying, you know, how much they want you to come here and do this. But I didn't understand the process, you know, from our high school. Not a lot of guys had went to college. So I'm, I really was relying on my head coach and the counselors, and they didn't really know anything. So I was actually stuck because I remember during my senior season, coaches coming by there, checking me out, the high school, being at the games. And then, yeah, no, they didn't. They didn't reach out. And I remember, it's funny you said that. I remember going to my mailbox like, Damn, is something wrong? Did mom, did you get the mail or did it get moved or what happened? You know, but um, man, things just worked out funny. So what's, what what happened is I had a couple buddies that were a couple years older than me, uh, two years prior, go to Mount Sac, Mount San Antonio Junior College, and they were doing really well. So I'm like, man, JUCO. I was kind of embarrassed to be honest. I'm like, man, I ain't going to JUCO. So I remember calling UCLA and Oregon. Like, look, I don't know if I can walk on. I can do this. They're like, well, it doesn't quite work out that way. I said, well, damn, I, I really got to go JUCO and. To be honest, man, I went up there. I was driving every day from like uh, Long Beach, California to Walnut. It was about a 40 minute, 40 mile drive uh, with traffic and LA traffic. I mean, I was going to get home for about an hour and a half. And I remember like by the second week of going to practice up there at JUCO, and I was like, man, I'm about to tap out. And uh, my coach at the time, linebacker coach and defense coordinator, Rob, uh, uh, Lenny Rodriguez, was like, hey, I got you. This is what we're going to do kind of set me up, got me a couple guys and said, look, we're going to get your apartment there. By that time, my mom didn't want me staying in the inner city. So she's like, look, we're going to get up and move. And that even hurt me more. So I'm like, hold on, man, I'm about to leave my boys behind. I'm about to go out here. But listen, that was the best thing that happened to me because moving from the inner city, pretty much 40 miles away from where I grew up, was able for me to focus on school, get my stuff together and keep going. But I was driving a 68 bug. And here goes the problem. Here goes the real catch me on it. I'm driving a 68 bug. 68 Volkswagen, I bought for $700. Fix it up, spray painted inside, bad boy, banging music, 
false gate. You can hear me coming from two miles away. <laughs> false gate. But it's 100 degrees outside driving to Mount Sac. Man, that bad boy would overheat. The thing started smoking about two or three times. You saw AP pushing. That's probably how I got stronger and faster. I was pushing the goddamn bug for about, I don't know, three or four miles to get to the next exit to get to a gas station to get it fixed, man. So it almost didn't happen just because of the 68 bug couldn't handle the heat and the pressure of going and driving up and down the highway. <laughs> so it, it, I just, you know, the scary thing is like, how often do you think, maybe you don't think about it in the moment. Maybe you're like, oh yeah, that could have happened. But how close were you to just saying, screw this. I don't want to commute and just going back to Compton. Like it was close. It, it was close. And to be honest, it was my mom and, and Lenny Rodriguez from Mount Sac that just said, look, you don't need to stay local. Don't go to the local colleges. You know, the biggest thing for me was being too cool for school and hanging with my boys off the field and not handling my work, you know, in the classroom. So, you know, after a couple of conversations sitting around, banging your head, you know, you just have to make that decision of like, what's best for AP? What's best for me? And at the time, the best thing was to get my butt up and get out of that area and focus, you know, on school at Mount Sac. So the Mount Sac thing, let's pick up then once Arizona and the other places, you're going to be getting out of JUCO. How does that work? Because I don't think many people even understand it. No, it's tough. It's the same thing. And, but at that time, though, I will say this. I'm going to throw out a lot of names that people heard of that were playing in the same conference as I was in junior college. Chad Johnson, Ocho Cinco, T.J. Hushmanzada, Dolores Grant, Ruben Drone, uh, Steve Smith. You know, all of us were in the same conference at that time in junior college. So we were, it was pretty hot. You know, it was a lot of good prospects out. But the thing that I was fortunate about uh, that my sophomore year, my second year at Mount Sac, uh, we went 12-0, and won the national championship for JUCO, state championship in California. Um, I was one of the top players then on there, so I was getting recruited heavily. Um, but here goes the catch again. You know, by that time, I wanted to play Papa. So I had my son at the time at 19 years old. So I'm thinking, like, okay, hold on. I'm going to get all these schools on the East Coast, down in the South, Texas A&M, Pitt, North Carolina, Arkansas, Nebraska. And in reality, I'm like, how am I going to be able to go way out there with the son, with the newborn? So that really led me to Arizona. They were recruiting me hard. They recruited me a little bit out of high school along with Oregon and UCLA, and I just looked at it like, look, they got a good defense. A guy who played at Mount Sac the year prior with me was Chris McAllister, who was drafted by the Baltimore Ravens, so I was familiar with that. A couple guys I grew up with in the neighborhood, Brandon Malabayuna, was there, Dennis Northcutt as well. I'm like, look, that's a no-brainer. You know, we're in college now, make it work, and that's kind of how I signed with Arizona. It was kind of one of those deals where I remember going on a visit, and they not them even pressure me, but like, I'm good. They're like, what do you mean? I'm like, I'm coming. And they, they couldn't quite understand why, but there's a lot of back, backdrop to it, obviously, with my son and having relationships prior. Was there anyone else that was close? Oregon. Oregon. Uh, my, and Drones my ended teammate. up there, too, right? So Yeah, Ru Ruben Drones is there. And then uh, there's a guy that I played with uh, as a youth, Michael Fletcher, who was a four-year starter there. was constantly trying to get me up there. But I ain't going to lie, I wasn't a fan of the, the rank. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I, I tell you what, what tricked me about Arizona, and I know better now by being here as a coach, is that um, they brought me in in January, and it wasn't that hot. And it wasn't until that summer of my junior year I realized what hot was. <laughs> and when it gets to 120, and legit everything in your car melts and just not in the shade or put away, 
that's when I said, well, man, maybe Oregon wasn't so bad, but it all worked out, man, at U of A. And we had a great team. Our first year was 12-1, and beating Nebraska in the Holiday Bowl, and then you know, the rest is history. So when you went undrafted, you must have been like, this shit again? I, look, I'm telling you, it was, it was a damn thing because, again, same kind of deal. You know, the conference at that time, it was uh, Adam Archuleta was a good linebacker. You had um, Zeke Marino out of USC, Jeremiah Farms out of Washington. Again, Niall Diggs coming out, guys that I was really familiar with from California, and you're watching the draft. You're looking at your numbers. You're looking at what you ran and watching. At that time, the NFL was, you know, two backs, one tight end, big boy football, linebackers need to be 6'3", 6'4", you know, the double shoulder pads, double thigh pads on so you can look really big like old lineman. I didn't look like that. You know, I'm looking, I'm at 228 running around, you know what I mean, with a little speed and, and aggressiveness. So you watch the draft, I'm like, all right, cool, you know, third day, you know, they'll pick me up. You know, I'll get that phone call and I'll be damned. When it happened again, I, it was one of those moments like, all right, I didn't even blink. I just took a pen and paper, wrote down every guy's name that got drafted, and said, I'm going to beat these dudes out without a question. And that was my, that was my whole drive and purpose. My you know, nine-year career in the National Football League was being the last one standing and having, hopefully, the, the better career out of all of them. Yeah, when you brought up Archuleta, which is the irony that they're your rivals, so I'm sure you hated him. I'm sure you're sitting there and going, this dude went 20th overall and I can't get drafted. And then everybody would watch his workout videos. And I remember just being a younger dude who wasn't even in sports being like, wow, this is insane. And now you're at Arizona State, so maybe you've softened a bit. But that one had to have stung. <laughs> no, it did. Because, you know, that's right when the internet started, you know, the internet started blowing up. So guys were being able to post their workouts on videos and it was getting more digital. And I'm looking like, yeah, he's smaller than me. But, you know, he did run a fast time. He was throwing the bench press up and catching it with his hands. Yeah, the Archuletas. Like, he had, a, he had a move named after him because he was catching the yeah. bench reps. I, I remember yeah, seeing I, it I going, never, like, what the hell is this? <laughs> I wish I'd have known some trick to do and put it on YouTube <laughs> or whatever digital platform to get myself drafted. But, look, it, it didn't work out that way. And, again, sometimes I always tell our, our recruits now, even here, it's not how you start, man. It's how you finish that bad boy. At the end of the day, you need an opportunity, and most people wish to get an opportunity to, to step on that grass in the National Football League, and then it's what you do with it. But you see a lot of first-rounders go in the league, and they made it, they got it, and then they're done in three or four years. And then the league is pretty much made of those mid-rounds, undrafted guys anyway. So, look, I'm just one of those stories. One of the realest dudes I met my entire time at ESPN. That's Antonio Pierce getting it done with uh, the Sun Devils, the Iron Devils, or the Cali Devils, depending on uh, what kind of recruits are bringing in. So <laughs> keep up the great work, man. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you, Ryan. Good talk to you. Hey, we got two more to go here. Stay for Steve up next. I love food, though, and that's why I love using Postmates, but I kind of love it even more right now because I can get free food delivered without leaving the house or even opening the door. Given what's going on in the world, they created non-contact deliveries. I got it last night, little Italian, little chicken parm deal, side pizza, NBD. So now when I order from local restaurants, everything gets left right outside of my door. I get a little text, be like, hey, Ryan, your food is outside, and then I go down and get it. Everybody's staying safe. They also have Postmates pickup, so you can order takeout from your favorite local restaurants. Listen up. You guys need to be supporting your local neighborhood spots right now. And this is a great way to keep them going. Uh, if you can do it, if you can decide, hey, you know what? Maybe a little takeout. 
more than I thought. I mean, you know, you're younger guys. You guys are already doing it. So it's always great if Postmates can help you make that happen for the neighborhood spots. And Postmates doesn't just deliver burgers and sushi. They can make your life easier by picking up everything you need from Walgreens, 7-Eleven, or whichever stores you shop at and dropping it off outside your door. Just download Postmates on iOS or Android. Find your favorites and get anything you want delivered within the hour. For a limited time, Postmates is giving listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first 700 days. Think about that. $100 free delivery credit first seven days to start your free deliveries. Download the app. Use the code RRSHOW. That's code RRSHOW for $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmate it. One of my closest friends, I won't even say in the business, Steve Coughlin, also known as Steve Coughlin, also known as Cocktails, a.k.a. Five Star Steve, a.k.a. Stanford Steve, was our producer and now is on the air, and I'm really proud of him. You're from Ansonia, the Valley. When I first met you, I introduced you to my pops. We went to, I think, a Pitt-UConn game together, and my dad, who had played you know, big high school sports in Connecticut, was like the Valley, man. Like he was even referencing how tough the valley was in the '60s, and so you're you're an Ansonia <laughs> guy all the way. You were not just a football star, but how many points did you score in your career in basketball? A uh, thousand forty-two. Okay, but you were like a point forward, six-five hybrid point. What were you? Uh, yeah, I was. I, I played point uh, two guard, usually guarded. You know. We, we ran zone, uh, played a little man. I was pretty versatile. I was only like 210, Ryan. Like, that's the one that people can't get in their minds. Is I was this height, 210. I could move. I could jump. I could run. Couldn't really shoot, but I was I was good around the rim. Uh, I, I could dunk. Uh, by the time I, I left eighth grade, I remember going in the, in the gym and just like, I'm going to dunk before I, I leave eighth grade. So I was able to do that. Played varsity as a freshman, all three sports. Um, but I was, I only made two career three pointers and I shot like 67, 65% from the line and still oh. was able to score a thousand. So That's... it was uh, a lot of buckets. We were a bucket getter. And you were also what the pitcher too. The whole point is I'm trying to make is how much I hate you. Cause you're basically everything that I wish I had been in high school. And you were that guy that was like, Oh, that dude who's going to go anywhere in the country to play football. He's also an ace pitcher, right? Uh, it was, yeah, the pitch had tailed off. It ended up just being center fielder and leadoff guy. I was the biggest leadoff guy, I think, in the state of Connecticut <laughs> history. Uh, that was, but it was fun. I loved it. I, I loved, um, I loved playing all three sports because it gave me something to look forward to and it gave me something to work on. Like I, I would assess everything after each season and then, you know, just remember that when I was getting back, uh, when it came time around for that. And I didn't get bored. You know, I just, I think of all these baseball kids that just play baseball now. And obviously everybody brings out the arms and stuff, but I just, I, I couldn't imagine just playing baseball one sport. It's just the, the competitiveness. Uh, I know that's a big word now that after uh, the last dance of Jordan, but that's just what I want. It was, it was a way to compete in different ways. to compete. So junior year, your quarterback, how many games did you guys actually lose in Insonia when you were on the team? Oh, <laughs> I lost in the state championship my freshman year. I lost one game as a sophomore. And I, uh, I think it was like 48 and two. 48 and two. Okay. And you played QB your junior year and then went to tight end senior year, correct? Uh, yeah. Well, I we had a young kid. Uh, his name was Luke Richmond, who ended up playing uh, football. At, as he used to start quarterback at UConn. 
So when he was a sophomore and I was a junior, I would start the games at quarterback and we would go up like 21, 28, nothing. And then he would come in and I would go to receiver and every, it was awesome. Every first play, we would just throw a fade, a post, uh, a deep out, something like that, just to get it going. And it was, it was, uh, it was so much fun. Uh, but I ended up playing receiver. Then he got hurt his senior year. So I ended up quarterback in like three or four games. So like the stats weren't great, but uh, if you, if you came to see the chargers play, you knew, uh, you knew what was going down. So were you legitimately a five-star guy? You were yeah. a five star, and they're not. I just don't think people understand how few five stars there are in each class. And were you also player of the year nationally? Is that didn't you win that award? It was right before the internet, and there was a there was a magazine called Super Prep Magazine, and they get like I didn't even know. I remember a coach at Stanford called me and was like, "Hey, congrats, Super Prep!" And I'm like, "What?" And like, there's Blue Chip Illustrated. There's all that. This is before Rivals. And he's like, you're your national player of the year. I'm like, I didn't, need, it was like middle of my senior year. Like it was the weirdest thing. So that thing took off. But like, just going back to like junior year, what was funny was like to, to when uh, coaches would come talk to you, you know, in school, they couldn't talk to you. So they would go talk to the high school coach. The high school coach would go get you out of class. And then you would walk into the gym off, you know, where the gym teachers hung out. We had a bunch of teachers that hung out, gym teachers. They had like a little golf simulator in the in the gym. So I would literally just walk in and like they'd be like, oh yeah, it looks pretty good. Blah, blah, blah. And I would say hi. And then like a couple guys were like by the book. And but then another guy, like I remember Frank Solich came from Nebraska. Um Tom Clements came from uh Notre Dame, the Mose Rising, you know, from Stanford, Tim Brewster, who's back at North Carolina, uh, with Mac Brown, who's followed him around. If you know Tim Brewster, he's an unbelievable recruiter. He came up, I remember before a practice in a like a mink coat like we were practicing out in the snow before a state championship and like just to see the kids on my team's faces like coach bruce coach brew just coming up in like a like a full you know fur coat in freaking they had sonia connecticut with snow on the ground it's uh it's just thinking you know names and, and people i'm watching the old orange bowls and, and fiesta bowls like that was when i was in high school getting recruited with notre dame and florida state and nebraska and all those guys so it's just you know those are the, the 90s were, were the 90s. All right. So, gosh, there's so many things. And I, I know some of this stuff just from hanging out with you. What's, what's the Notre Dame part of it? Let's start there because that one is great. Like when I tell people, people wanted Stanford Steve. Notre Dame was like, please be our quarterback. And Stanford Steve's like, eh. <laughs> well, I, I, did, I grew up despising Notre Dame. I, I, I couldn't stand Notre Dame. Uh, you know, just, I mean, they were so, like, just watching the game the other night, they were so good and loaded. And Holtz just went about the, the way he did. My dad wasn't really a big Lou Holtz fan. Um, but anyway, I was like, you know what? I'm still going to do this. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, you know, listen to them. I mean, they send the, the recruiting envelopes. They got the gold helmet on there. Like, they just stick out like nothing. Like, you know, my coach is like, look what came today. And it's like, wow. So I ended up going to camp there before my senior year. And I'm like, all right. And I'm walking around. I had gone down to like North Carolina, Duke, NC State, and Wake Forest just to check things out. Did it unofficial at like BC. Went to camp at Syracuse. So like I knew some general things about college campuses. But when I went to Notre Dame, I was just like, this is it's just old. And like the dorm they put us in was like a closet. They made us sing the learn the words to the fight song one night after dinner. I'm just like, 
wow, you guys really, really love yourselves. So I get there and like, they really don't know who I am. And then Bob Davey, like I'm running routes. I went and worked out with the tight ends and Davey just came up. He's like, where, where are you from, boy? Like, what, what's your deal? I'm like, well, you know, this has happened. And I could tell there was a disconnect in the coaching staff. Like certain guys didn't talk to certain guys. So I go to camp. Everything's good. Like coach holds is basically like, we, you know, we watch you, you know, everything's good. You know, we'll, we'll set up an official and then poof, like never hear from him ever. And I'm just like, I don't know what happened. Then one of my friend's dads was, it's a huge Notre Dame fan. And he, um, what's the magazine blue and gold. Yeah. Gold yeah. Something like that. Yeah. So they write, they put like top 15 recruits, whatever coming in this class. And then, like, they had, you know, Steve Gawkin, quarterback, not sure he's ready to the Irish or the quarterback or the Irish or has the talent level, something like that. Pretty derogatory. And I'm just like, wow. I'm like, that's, that's pretty messed up. Still nothing from Notre Dame. It all goes all the way into I'm done, I'm, I'm done with my visits, and I'm about to commit to Stanford. And Holtz and Bob Kamel call me from the Orange Bowl. And they're like, we, we – we, you don't understand the coaching staff is in disarray. You know, Clement left. He ended up going to the Packers and coaching for over a day, I think. But there's he recruited the Northeast. So that, like everything just went up recruiting. I'm just like, guys, it's 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 been seven months since I talked to you. And I I'm ready to commit. I went to Stanford, I went to North Carolina. We can get to that in a second. But I'm just like, it's it's too late, man. I, I can't just, you know, come in. It just felt like Notre Dame, like that's what they did. They just, you know, if they if they heard about something or something, you know, they just came parachuting in dropped the Notre Dame things. Um, but I tried and, uh, it just, it wasn't, it wasn't gonna, wasn't there. So then why Stanford? Well, my brother was, he went to Columbia, played uh, football when I was in junior high and he, he, like, he took over, like he was working in New York city when I was, you know, a junior. And like, he was just like, you've got to check out Stanford. You got to check out Stanford. So I think he set them a note. Willingham takes over. They make this big push, like we're back to, you know, Bill Walsh, Denny Green style. We're going to recruit national. So this guy, Moe's Risen, comes in. He's Andre Risen's cousin. We hit it off. Uh, he ended up going to coach with the Jets with Herm for a while. And um, so I'm like Stanford, I'm in. North Carolina, I'm in. Like it's it, it's basically those two. I could have went, whatever, North, uh, UCLA, Michigan, you, you name it. But anyway, it comes down to it. So I'm like, I'm definitely going. It's right before Christmas. I'm still playing basketball. I'm the captain of the basketball team. So I'm trying to just, you know, get this in and, and just not try and be, you know, a dick to anybody. Because I am, I like, I love my high school guys. And we are, you know, we were at one state championship the year before. So I wanted to, you know, make sure we were defending that. So I go out to Stanford the first week you can go. It's the week after the state championships in Connecticut. So I go out to Stanford and like, Anybody that knows that drive, you land in San Francisco, they drive you on 280, the back way, you know, through all that. And it's just like, wow, this is California. And I had always said to myself, I always wanted to go away to school. Always. My dad passed away after my sophomore year. So I, I was I was dead set on I proved myself I could go play. So we go to Stanford. Uh, we go to the first dinner. And the first dinner, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, Coach Ryzen's like, you know, you're at the head table with the head coach. All right. I'm like, that's weird. I'm like, there's 16 of us. Like, why? Wait. He's like, just, just, you're going to want to be at that table. You want to be at the table. And I'm like, all right. So we're sitting down. There's one seat open. I'm like, we're waiting. And Coach Willingham's walking around, like trying to make sure everything's good. And, uh, and then Coach Willingham walks up and he's just like, hey, we're still waiting for our guests of honor. I'm like, all right. So we're just sitting there. And then finally, Tiger walks in and 
it's like, whoa. And like, he had just won a couple of amateurs. He was a sophomore, I think, but everybody knew who Tiger Woods was. He sits down and he's like, Russ, he's like sweating a little bit. He's got a hat. And he's just like, Hey man, sorry, I'm late. He's like, you know, I'm Tiger. Well, he's like, I just had to stay and watch my roommates just built a computer from scratch. And I'm like, what am I doing here? <laughs> like this is a computer. I didn't even have email, uh, like computer <laughs> app classes at Sonia. Like this, these dudes are building computers. So the next day I went and asked like this lady, Verity Powell. I'm like, who's the academic lady here? I'm like, I just want to make sure that I can hack it here. Like, you know, it's not the best school system. So I met with Verity and she's like, do not worry about a thing. You are, you're, you're admitted, you're in, we will take care of you. Don't worry about the classes. And that's basically all I had to hear, but they really wanted me to commit and I was not going to commit. So I will go to North Carolina the following week, but on the way home from Stanford, I have a high school Heisman thing in New York city, which is the Monday after the Heisman. So it's all past Heisman trophy winners and Eddie George had won the award that year. So there's this tri-state area team that I make. I'm the only white guy. It's uh, If you remember, go back and look at the names, Penn State, Tikus Pettigrew, Rashard Casey was a Penn State quarterback. Joe Dawkins was a running back track star that got hurt. Like, there's some big names on there. And we go into this side room, and Eddie George is like, what's your deal, white boy? Where are you going? And I'm like, oh my Did he say white boy? God. Yeah. And I'm, I'm like, <laughs> whoa. And I'm like, Beat red, like they took B roll, like just to show the meeting. And I'm just sticking out like a sore thumb. I'm like, man, I, I, I know I belong here, but like this is this is kind of awkward. But I start telling my story, like, hey, I just went to Stanford. I went to camp with Rashard Casey at Syracuse. So we always kind of stayed in contact. And he had just gone to North Carolina. So I was like, hey, you know, what what'd you do? What you know? And I'm going to Carolina next week. He's like, man, it's awesome. And but I knew all along that he was going to Penn State. Regardless, we come out of that room, we go back down and sit down. And now they put on this highlight video of all the guys on the team. And it's like to music, like it's professionally done. MSG had done it. So like there's music on it. And it's like sped up a little bit. So like you're look, you look real fast. Sure enough, I'm the first guy on there. And like they, thank God whoever did it because I looked like, I don't even like, like Gronkowski, I guess. Like it was just awesome. They're like breaking tackles. They put a perfect like cutback run I had on. All this stuff. So that ends, and Spurrier is there. He's a past Heisman Trophy winner. They're about to go play Nebraska in the National Championship Fiesta Bowl. And he just, you know, him, I can't do his voice. He's like, well, that was pretty impressive. What's your, what's your deal? Where'd you go this weekend? I was like, I was out at Stanford and uh, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, well, we want you. you got to come down to the Gainesville and check it out. I'm like, you're playing a national title? He's like, yeah. He's like, We'll figure out some tickets. If you want to go to that game too, who's this? Your brother right here? He's like, you guys want to come to the Fiesta? I'm like, so all this is going on. And for years, I get home, I get home and, you know, back in the, you know, house, my mom had a voicemail, you know, the voicemail, voice, uh, what do you call it? Answering machine. Yeah. Answer machine. And Spurrier called, has a message. He's like, Mr. Conklin, just want to let you know, Steve is a good boy. We had a good time today. We want you and him to come out to Florida. So, Mind is blown. My brother's like just head in his hand, like you. I'm like, he's like, you want to go to Florida now, huh? I'm like, hell yeah, I want to go to Florida. So that was it. You're like, I'm going to Florida. I'm playing for Spurrier. He's like, well, you just said Tiger Woods and Stanford and all this stuff flew across the country. I'm like, Florida, Bill. I'm like, they're number one in the country. 
I'm like, I'm going to go catch the ball. Spurrier said I could catch 80 balls. Like, why am I not going to go there? So I go, I sleep on it. And I'm just like, and, you know, my brother called me. He's just like, think about this. You know, just think about it. I'm not going to say anymore. I go to North Carolina the next week. Unbelievable visit. The guys there are just incredible. Um, but I just, Stanford factored in everything. I, I my, my birthday was January 1st. I grew up watching the Rose Bowl. I always wanted to play a game on my birthday growing up. Um, it, un, un, uh, you know, undoubtedly gave me the best education. The guys I met, the locker room we had at Stanford, guys from all over the country. Um, I, 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 I honestly could sit here and say, what are we? Oh, we just had our reunion, 20 year reunion. 20 years later, like I'm, I'm fired up. I made that decision. And Brian, just real quick to go back and like I, I, all the recruiting stuff, like I think it was like August 1st before your senior year, coaches could call you. I was working for my uncle's oxygen company. I was delivering oxygen tanks and hospital beds and stuff like that. And so I went to work. My mom kept a yellow notepad. There were like 56 schools that called before 5 p.m. that day. And just to try and sift through all those guys and you build up these relationships. I didn't have a dad. I was talking to coaches every single night, my first three months of, of my senior year of high school. And to be able to tell those guys, you know, I, 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 got, I can't do it. I can't do it, coach. It was really, really hard. And some guys were really big dicks about it. And some guys were really, really cool and professional about it. But it's really, really a lot for a 17, 18-year-old kid. And that's the stuff I remember of just building up relationships and, and then, you know, having to be the bad guy and being selfish because I didn't want to make anybody mad. I just wanted, you know, everything to work out. And you realize that like halfway through the process that there's some ugly parts, man. There was a, there was some bad, uh, ugly things said and, and stuff like that, that that still carry on with me to this day. Who were the worst, Penn State? Penn State, uh, yeah, no <laughs> doubt. <laughs> I was guessing. Uh, you can catch him out at Stanford Steve. And of course, with our man SVP weeknights on SportsCenter. Thanks, man. Okay, Damian Woody goes last. And I'm telling you right now, listen to the Damian Woody interview here. But upgrade your home style, grooming routine, and more with a monthly box of awesome from Bespoke Post. Bespoke Post sends themed boxes of their favorite kitchen, grooming, outdoor gear, and more every month, introducing subscribers to unique small brands and one-of-a-kind products in the process. Whether you're looking to hone your knife skills, who isn't? Take better care of your skin. Also, with this new bike helmet lately, Kyle, I got to notice a little breaking out. Not not a huge fan, so I got to get on that bespoke post. I love looking up just different grooming items. Like, that's a to-do. That's something I need now. Bespoke post is going to take care of it. Or if you want to craft, brew your own beer at home, you're going to love your Box of Awesome. Grab 20% off your first box when you sign up at boxofawesome.com and enter the code RUSSILLO, R-U-S-S-I-L-L-O, at checkout. That's boxofawesome.com. Code RUSSILLO for 20% off your first box. And by the way, Bespoke Post has something really cool going on right now. It's an initiative called Support Small, where they're pledging to support the small business community during the coronavirus crisis by buying $10 million worth of goods from emerging brands and small manufacturers. So if you know any small brands looking for a boost right now, definitely give them a shout. Damian Woody, before the Super Bowl ring, before being inducted into the Boston College Hall of Fame, just a stud lineman out of Patrick Henry High School in Ashland, Virginia. How did you end up at BC? So, so here I am, 17-year-old Damian Woody coming out of Beaverdam, Virginia, 
backwoods of of Virginia. And and I had all these scholarship offers, you know, Michigan, University of Virginia, Alabama, um, man, you name it. I had offers all over the country. And and do you remember your ranking? Do you remember your recruiting ranking coming out of? uh... I I don't. I mean, I know I was an All-American. I was the All-American defensive tackle (laughs) uh, coming out of high school. Uh, I don't remember my ranking, but I definitely was an All-American. And um, and so I willed it down to, to three schools, uh, University of Virginia, Boston College, and Michigan. Uh, I, took my, I took a visit to Michigan. It, Michigan was fantastic. But I'm like, damn, it's cold as hell out here, man. This is crazy. Um, <laughs> but I love the big house. The scene was great. University of Virginia, I had actually taken a couple visits there because I only lived like 45 minutes from UVA. Um, so I was very familiar with the school. And actually, that was my first choice growing up because I grew up a UVA fan, but I ended up turning it down. Um, and the last, my my last, uh, my third, my other option was was Boston College. So I'm sitting here and I'm like, this is different. This is, this is, this is different. And, um, and so I went up, took a visit to, uh, to BC and uh, brought my parents with me. And so we get separated. Uh, we were there for a couple of nights. And then, so the first night that we were there, uh, my host, man, he, uh, we went out to a party, went to a club. And then while we was at the club, we met up with a couple, couple guys from the, from the Patriots. And uh, wait a minute, what would you remember the club that you went to? Because, you know, look, I lived across the street from BC for a while. It was after you had been gone. And so I, I just remember the BC community was so detached from the fact that it was also a city. Like you could go to BC and never go into the city, even though it was only 15 minutes in. So that that's amazing that they, do you remember the name of the spot? It's, it was, it's, it's been closed for a long time. I forgot the name of the spot, but you're right. Because when I was at BC, all we did was go like, go to different pubs on Calm Ave. We never, yeah, Marianne's we never really went to like right. the sit like Boston to go to like clubs and stuff. We would just go to Comad, go to, go to pubs and just, you know, just drink a lot. Um, but we ended up going to a club, man. And there was like six other Patriots there. And so as a 17, at that point, like I'm just now getting out of Virginia and I'm looking, I'm like, man, these dudes driving around in Benzes and, and chicks everywhere. I'm like, Oh, okay. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of feeling this. So I, so my host was boys. I'm not going to say which one, but he was boys with one of the pages. So we ended up going back to his place and, um, bro, there was like 20 girls up in there at his spot waiting. I'm not talking about like, with us, I'm talking wait like they're already waiting, and I'm like, okay, what in the hell is going on right now? We so we get up in there, we we drinking all the stuff, all the stuff, and then all of a sudden, because there were other like two other like two other recruits um, that were with me as well, and then like dudes start disappearing into rooms, and I'm like, wait a minute, where everybody go? And then all of a sudden, my host put his arms around me. It was like, you ready? I'm like, what's, what's, what's about to pop off? And then all of a sudden, go into the room. 
<laughs> man, it was like, man, it was like, man, it's like four chicks up in there, like in the room. And I'm like, yo, this is crazy. Now I'm not gonna get into everything that that popped off in there, but after that and partying with all the fellas from the Patriots, the club that night, and BC at the time, the year before, they won like 10, 10 games. Man, I'm like, I'm like, I'm 99% there. And then the next day, man, <laughs> a booster came up to me at a little luncheon. And uh, he just started talking. He was like, man, I heard a lot about you. A lot about you. And as he was saying, I heard a lot about you, he put a little envelope in my jacket. And I, you know, I just tried to play it off because my mom was like right there too. So I didn't want her to like start tripping. So I went to the bathroom. I look in the envelope. Dude, it was like a lot of money in there. I'm talking five figures up in there. Five figures. And uh, that sealed that all of that just sealed the deal for me. I'm like, I'm in. I'm in. Where do I sign up at? I'm in. Yeah, that's uh, that doesn't sound like it was about the facilities. <laughs> <laughs> it had nothing to do with the facilities. The facilities, it, I could I could give a damn about the facilities. It had nothing to do with the facility. It was everything outside the facilities that was crazy. Now you didn't you didn't even take a trip to Bama. Like you were like, once that was it, you didn't care about the process anymore. I didn't care. I just knew, like I just like just putting it all together. The fact that BC was a really good school, it was like, it was really important for me, really important for my parents. Um, 10 wins. I felt real comfortable with the guys that I was like in, in the same recruiting class, the guys that were already on the team. And they're putting pros, they're putting guys in the league. They're putting the guys in the league. Right. And so for me, I'm like, okay, yeah, it's not, BC's not Bama, like Michigan, but it's like on the come up. And I'm like, Okay, I want to be a part of this because if I go to Michigan, and I'm not doubting my skills, but I'm like, okay, if I go to Michigan, who's to say I'm just another piece? But if right. I come here, I'm the man. Like, I'm, I'm the man here. And so it just, like I said, man, it just made too much sense for me. And uh, I ended up committing that weekend to Boston College. Did you tell your mom about the money? Yeah, I ended up telling her about the money. I ended up telling she was like, she was shocked, but she wasn't, she didn't say she wasn't gonna say anything. She was like, I'm right, not like gonna if get, this is the I'm game. I'm not gonna get into trouble right. over that. Yeah. 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 If that's the game, then, then yeah, who cares? Just, did she make you give her some? Did she make you give her some? I gave her some, of course. <laughs> <laughs> And then you got to BC and you were like, what happened to all the girls? Oh man, it was man. I get to BC, man. It was there was none of that, man. We had to come up there early and we had to do a program and we're doing all this conditioning and coaches barking. I'm like, I guess the recruit the recruiting is over, huh? It was like, oh yeah, we we got you now. You ain't you ain't going anywhere. 
Hey, you can see Damien all over the ESPN airwaves and uh, and a good dude, man. So thanks a lot for that. Yeah, no problem, man. I love these. I love them, and apparently you guys do too. So please subscribe, rate, review, get the word out. Keep spreading the message. Uh, we're going to be doing as much content as you guys need. Seriously. So thank you so much, and we'll talk to you Thursday. Thursday.